The scripture for today, uh, two passages. First coming from Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3, and then Colossians 1, verse 24 through 29. So Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And then from Colossians 1, 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Good morning. I feel that there is so many ways in which the message this morning has been already shined forth and brought forth in the stories as well as in the singing and in the songs and different things that have been shared. We come to the end of a series, but that doesn't mean that the message is over. We come to the end of the wall, but the wall lives on in us. We come to a process of transformation, but our transformation continues, and we are consistently being challenged every single day with things that will cause us to make decisions and, to, uh, and sometimes to worry about things. And sometimes we, we miss the point that it isn't just to build the wall, and we love to do this. We love to say, if I could just get this done, then, then I'd be on top of things, right? If I could just get this area of the house clean, then I could feel better. If I could just get all of this list of tasks done, then I could go home and not worry about anything. And life isn't ever quite like that. Usually something new comes up. And Paul uh, was in an interesting position here. My understanding is that Paul had never actually met the Colossians. He had never visited there. But he had sent someone who had ministered there, and they came back and gave a report of their church planting work there in, in Colossae. And he was writing them because even though he didn't know them personally, he had a heart for what God was doing with them. And he wanted them to understand in all of the religious variations in the Colossae city 
and in, in that area and all of the different kinds of messages that were coming through, he wanted them to focus on Jesus. Well, one day there was an insurance salesman who had an opportunity to sing in an NBC open stage. His song moved the hearts of people nationwide. They praised him. And suddenly he became a famous star. You will know who this was. And many contracts were waiting for him. His future was a guaranteed was guaranteed to have success and plenty of money. But he was filled with the fear uh, with fear rather than joy. So one day he bowed down and prayed and his mother also prayed at the very time when he prayed. Then his mother had left one small note on his table. It was a Christian poem by Rhea F. Miller, his mother's favorite. And while reading the poem, he was moved by the spirit and shed tears. Because that poem that Rhea had written was the poem, I'd Rather Have Jesus. And it hit him in this greatest point of success and where things were going really well, it hit him that it wasn't the right focus. Later on, this person by the name of George Beverly Shea, he turned that poem into a song. And it was this song that he shared at a, um, at a major gathering of church leaders in Europe. And um, he, uh, he played this song, or he sang this song for them, and everyone stood and cheered and applauded, and he made the comment that the focus really is on Jesus, not on him. And he said, I would trade any day all of the cheers and applause for simply having Jesus. He kept that focus. That song he, that he, the poem he put to music, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hand. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. And he was true to that mission. As you know, he was the primary song leader for the Billy Graham Crusades for many, many years to come and was faithful in never receiving the applause and all of the accolades because it was more important to him than to simply be able to have Jesus. This passage that uh, Doug read, there's an interesting word in this passage. In, it's the word contend. And when we think of contenders... What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I'm sure it has to do with the sports team. Oh, this is a contender. Maybe some of you younger ones that are movie buffs watch a movie, go to a movie in a theater and say, 
oh, this one is going to be a contender for and you know the the Oscars. That's the one way that we think of a contender. So it's so interesting how Paul uses it here because it's really more of the idea of being an advocate. And we'll share more about that in a bit. But the question about our time and what we're going to do with our life is really an important one. Um, That was one that Jeff this morning made a comment about. And I thought it was so interesting about time and being present. Um, In an interview for Clarity Magazine, there was a writer, Anne Lamott, who tells of an incident that helped her. Anne visited her her friend, Pammy, who was going through chemotherapy. Anne pointed to the dress that she herself was wearing and asked Pammy if it made her look fat. And Pammy looked at her and said, Annie, you just don't have that kind of time. That's an interesting comment. Anne says that Pammy's response was so profound that it was like, um, it was like this cartoon bubble over her head and all of a sudden she got it. She understood what she was saying. That even though soon after that, Pammy actually passed away. Anne says that what she said that day still lives on and still is such an important part of redirecting her life, transforming her life, transforming her focus. Uh, Because Anne sums it up this way. You don't have time to live a lie. You don't have time to get the world to approve of you. You only only have the time to become the person you dream of being. You only have time to clean out your uh, mean and ugly spots, areas that drag you down and hurt other people. You only have time to accept yourself as you are and getting a little bit healthier so that you can be who God needs you to be. In a way, it's exhilarating to say, but we all deal with the fact that we don't feel sufficient enough. And that's exactly the point. You can build these walls, but until they become internalized, until the very strengths and spiritual principles and understanding of who Christ was and what he came to do, until that becomes in here, until it becomes a personal decision, we're simply biding time, trying to build the physical wall as opposed to being changed. When she said, you don't have time, she was, Pammy was saying to Anne, Don't spend your time worrying about whether or not you look slim enough to wear that dress. There's too many other things to do. And this was what Paul meant in Philippians 1.21. Yesterday at the service for Keith Vincent, we shared that, that this was his life verse. For to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so to live for Christ as being the sole 
thing that directs me is what Paul was saying. And Paul was saying, you know, if you talk about it, I, I won't go into it uh, much detail, but Paul in a couple of different passages talks about this mystery. And he refers to the mystery many times. And he, he uses that term. And what he was saying was that through Christ, God was revealing that in fact, he wanted everyone to be saved. He still does. He still wants everyone to be able to respond to the offer of grace that comes through Jesus Christ. And, and that starts with the decision that we all make to basically say, the wall that I want to have built are the principles of faith of Christ within me. Not just wearing the dress on the outside, but having time to live for Christ on the inside. Not getting caught up in the legalism and and, and all of the rules and regulations. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it simply isn't enough because it never is sufficient until it starts from the inside out. Uh, in Ephesians 3, 8 to 11, Paul says, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God and created, and who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, that's us, the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that accomplished that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so um, this, this role of the church and the call of, of Paul in this passage is to contend, to be contenders. And I want to just refer to that. Uh, in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, she talks about contending as striving, uh, as in a contest, struggling, arguing, maintaining, asserting, contesting. In Hebrew, the word agonia is the word that is translated this, for this word, uh, for the word contend in the passage that was read here this morning. And that that. Hebrew word has different, uh, has different settings. In, we'll just look at a few of those. Luke twenty two forty four, 44 is referencing Jesus being in agony. So this is the same root word for the agony that Jesus was going through. It wasn't so much an agony of just simply suffering, but an agony of struggling, of striving to accomplish the goal to which he was called by into this world by God and, and it was the, the mission that he had was to agonize on behalf of and contend on our behalf that we could be saved. Somebody cares for you that much. So maybe somebody is saying to you, hey, listen up. I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care what dress you have on. I don't care how you look in it. I care about you and your soul more than I care about all of the external bricks in the wall. 
That's the call. That's the transforming mindset. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, it refers to this the same form of, or a different form of the word agonai, amid much opposition or with much contention. Over and over again, it refers to an, uh, the form of the word that uh, is to strive or that strives or that competes, that labors, that toils in striving, that is laboring earnestly is another one from Colossians 4. Uh, that um, in 2 Timothy, it's actually translated to fight the good fight. And so you have all of these different passages that use this word to contend that says we're going to battle. It's not going to be easy, but let's know what our battle is against. It's not against what we wear. It's not against the the rulers and authorities. And you'll notice that Paul actually talked about uh, making this mystery known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms Because he was basically saying it's a message that is to be proclaimed and no one can shut it up. It will go out to all of the powers of evil to say, listen, this is a saving message that you can't touch. And if we believe that, then we stop with the, well, I don't feel quite good enough about myself. It's a struggle and depression is real and it's awful. And some of you who have gone through it know how much, how difficult it is. And the answer for that is not a simple one, but it starts with understanding that God is the one who gives me my value, not how I look or what other people think. That's the, that confirms what George Beverly Shea was saying is, I don't care about all of the applause. I care about being the person that Jesus establishes me to be and no one can take that from me. No one can take that from you. And so one of the answers to struggling is take time to visit with the one who says you're perfect as you are and you don't have time in this life to mess with worrying about all of the superficial stuff. So I want to ask you a few questions. Are we willing to be contenders? Are we willing to make the purpose of our life around this proclamation of the transformation Jesus offers to us, what he's willing to lift us out of, and what he's redeemed us from? Are we willing to take that message on the road and to be contenders to proclaim Christ? Are we wanting to make a difference in this world, in other people's lives? Are we wanting to actually see this rebuilding happen for people who have been broken and have struggled and been beaten and are downcast from all kinds of things going on in their lives? Are we willing to battle for them and with them to come to this same transformation of rebuilding? Are we willing to stand against the apathy? And this is just, this this has to be proclaimed from every pulpit in every church there is. 
We stand against the apathy of not caring for what's going on around us in the world with our friends, our neighbors. We need to stand against that apathy. We need to stand against the idea that we just simply stay out of the way and let the world take its course. We need to be willing to stand against the comfort and convenience of if it doesn't affect me, then who cares? We need to engage as Paul did. So when he says to live is Christ and to die is gain, he's basically saying, look, there is no other life other than the cause of Christ for him. And it's not up to him, but when the time comes, he'll get called home. But until then, he's going to be a contender in the faith. And so Paul worked very, very hard at that. And he was challenging this new church, new congregation in Colossae to never lose sight of that because if you lose sight of that, everything else you do is meaningless. Every reorganization, every, every new committee, every new team of, of leaders, every Bible study you do until you lose that focus on Christ, until to live is Christ for us, all our other efforts will be cosmetic, as cosmetic as a dress or a makeup or the right brand that we put all over the place. Paul worked hard and suffered a lot for the church and he was willing to do that again and again and again because of his focus on Christ. Jesus took a different route. You know, uh, Willie was, our shepherd Willie was offering us, a, a, he mentioned uh, the, the, uh, the three wise men and, uh, you know, the, uh, the following of the light that came. And you'll notice in the one passage in scripture that tells the Christmas story that they were warned in a dream that shouldn't be a surprise because God tends to use visions and angels to convey his message uh, about what the real intention was to destroy Jesus and find where he was at. They went home a different route, it says. I love the, the sort of the understatement of that. They basically took a different route. And Jesus took a different route. He took the way of the cross. It was not easy. He died for all that all might be saved through his sacrifice. Through his struggle. He agonized. There's that word, agonai. He agonized and contended for us. And the only way life is worth living is for him. There's just not enough time to waste it on the other things. So we can think about all of our stuff and worry about it all we want to. But in the meantime, life goes on. I'll close with uh, a reference to another song that you probably know well. It's the song entitled, Until Then.
It's a Bill and Gloria Gaither song. And the words of it go, my heart can sing when I pause to remember a heartache here is but a stepping stone along a trail that's winding always upward. This troubled world is not my final home. But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, the, uh, with joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold the city. Until the day God calls me home. And there, second verse, the things of earth will dim and lose their value. Yeah, we know that. If we recall, they're borrowed for a while. And things of earth that cause the heart to tremble, remembered there will only bring a smile. But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, my, with joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold the city. Until the day God calls me home. Folks, you and I are needed down here right now. And we're called to say, We're not waiting until we just get released and then everything will be great. No, we're needed here and now to bring heaven to earth and to do what we can do now. In your boxes last week, I forgot to mention it last week, but you would have all received a card. I hope that you call the office because you lost yours and you want another one. Request these, hand them out. Um, This is our verse for the year. Our verse for the year And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That verse is the center to say, until we're called home, I'm going to work, I'm going to battle, I'm going to scratch, I'm going to claw, I'm going to do everything I can to further the cause of Christ. Will you be a contender this year? Will this be a year that you... Put aside the cosmetics of the things of how this world looks at at all of our stuff. And will we rise up to say, let's not get caught up in that trap. Let's not allow this wall to be rebuilt through the blood of Jesus Christ to be wasted. And And for all that Christ did for us to be wasted, we're going to use it We're going to multiply it in the teeniest of ways every day. A smile, an encouragement that whatever we do in word or deed, we dedicate that to the Lord Jesus. May we be strengthened and encouraged as we close with this song, You you Never Let Go. And it's an affirmation that God has never let us go Invite the team to come on up uh, and share this song. And let's let's stand and sing this together and and just be having thankful hearts for the fact that God's promise is always with us and we he will never let go of his vision for redeeming work in our lives. <laughs>